This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, and welcome to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where we try and inspire you to get outside and chase whatever outdoor passions and adventures you've been thinking about, but maybe you haven't done, or maybe it's just a beautiful day outside and you need just that little extra motivation to get out into the outdoors and enjoy yourself, whether that's hunting or fishing. And we hope to do that by providing you with awesome outdoor experiences, stories from people all over the world, and including our own adventures as well. So thank you for tuning in. This podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Wild Edge Inc. They are the maker of the simplest, most versatile climbing system in the outdoor world. So if you need a way to be ultra mobile in the outdoor woods when you're chasing whitetails, check out the Wild Edge system, www.wildedgeinc.com, and use the promo code CHASINGTALES10, that's CHASINGTALES, T-A-L-E-S, one zero to save $15 on any set of steps that you may order. We've got big things planned for 2019. I've got an elk hunt out west. We're trying to line up some DIY hunts in different states outside of the state of Florida. If you find value in the show and you would like to support Chasing Tales, its growth, its reach, and its ability to bring content to you from all over the place, we have set up a Patreon account. You can go to www.patreon.com dot com forward slash chasing tales outdoors or just click on the link down in the show notes i put it in the bottom of every show notes you can choose to to sign up and contribute and that money goes directly to the production of this podcast it offsets the operating costs that we have and hopefully it'll help fund some of these adventures that we have planned if you would like to contribute please check out the patreon account it would mean the world to us if you would donate directly now we should get to this week's episode but before we do i'm going to close this out with a brief from our dear friends at the Sportsman's Alliance. If you're new to the podcast or if this is your first episode, please go back a couple episodes and listen to the podcast that we recorded with them. The Sportsman's Alliance is fighting for our rights to hunt, fish, and trap and enjoy the outdoors on our public lands, on our private lands, and they have an incredible success rate in the court system. So here's this week's message from Sean Kern of the Sportsman's Alliance. The Sportsman's Alliance is uh, we're a nonprofit organization, uh, but we were founded you know, in the late 1970s in Ohio. There was a ballot initiative that sought to ban all forms of trapping. So they knew that if they could take their agenda to Ohio and, and win on this issue that's very near and dear to them, that they could then take that and plug and play in other states. Um, so a group was organized to run the ballot initiative on behalf of sportsmen. They ran the campaign, they did an outstanding job, they succeeded and they defeated that ballot initiative. But calls continued to come in from around the country to these these folks from other states having similar issues. So there was a need. They took the appropriate steps and they formed the organization and they said, well, let's, let's specialize in these things. And so that's how our organization was formed. 
that's what we've pretty much focused on the last 40 years has been protecting and advancing the American traditions of hunting, fishing, trapping, and the shooting sports. And so that's, that's kind of the who we are and what we do. That's kind of our, our specialty is we work you know, in the legislatures, we work in the courtroom, we work at the ballot box, and we do work in all 50 states. And I hope that after hearing this and listening to the previous episode, you feel compelled to join the Sportsman's Alliance like I have and like many of our listeners have to help support our outdoor hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. All right, we are back with another episode. I am joined once again by my dear friend, Chase Prince. How you doing, buddy? Oh, Walter, man, I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you doing? Uh, I am. I'm feeling a little bit of pressure, dude. The end of the season is creeping up on me, and... Uh, I, I was hoping I would have a couple deer in the freezer by now. Yeah, I hear you. Well, my season down here in Zone C is officially over, so all I can do is try to live vicariously through you at this point and hope that you get a deer down. <laughs> what? what now, how much? Lo- how much longer do you have? I've got. Well, okay. So there's how much do I really have, and then realistically, how often am I going to get out? I've got until the 17th of February, but uh, the the I, I just I've got like one hunt a week in me right now because I've got so much going on at home and at work that I can really only break away once a week, like for one hunt. So I've got maybe three weeks left and maybe two, three hunts in me if I'm lucky. And that ain't a whole lot of time. That's true, but the area you're hunting is kind of the rut right now, correct? Yeah, yeah. So my one farm that I've got a little further west of here it is peak rut right now which is kind of i think it kind of perplexes uh our listeners to think of a, of a late january rut but if you go even further west it's like you know early feb mid you know mid feb but uh the ruts kicked off the only problem is it's kind of like relearning the property because i sent you that video dude the hurricane damage over there is so total and swift it's like all the patterns that you once knew are gone yeah, I mean, I mean that's got to be difficult, especially since you haven't had a whole lot of time to get over there and scout. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, yeah, well, did you have any trail camera? Well, <laughs> I did. Uh, I can't find two of them. <laughs> and, oh boy! And the third, uh, another member of the farm who hunts down there on the farm saw it and didn't want it sitting in the elements any longer because they've been out there since April. Um, and I put them out there for like a, a long summer soak just to kind of take inventory of what we use in the property. And um, in October, I was thinking, okay, I'll go pull it in October. The season starts on the 20th. I'll go down there, pull it, and then I can kind of do like an inventory of the place. And uh, mid-October is when Hurricane Michael came through, and I can't find the trees that they were hung on. And it's it's weird because, like, you go to the spot and you're like, okay, I know I'm where this trail camera was supposed to be, but none of the visual cues are left standing, you know? It's like the road is the only visual cue that you have left. All the trees are gone. It's incredible. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So we lost, we lost uh, two tree stands, uh, three tree stands, um, three trail cameras at this point in time. But both the box blinds got knocked down, and and I don't know if they're going to be repair uh, uh, repairable. We're, dude, we haven't even cleared the roads out over there yet. We still can't even drive down the main road. It's incredible how like just total that damage is. But the cabin's in good shape, and and that really kind of saves us a bunch of heartache yeah well it's awesome that the the cabin <laughs> withstood the storm yeah well i got a i got a question for you then what are you going to do i mean you said it's crunch time what 
is your is going to be your tactic for this property? You know, I don't I don't know. And to be honest with you, I'm probably going to hang the bow up. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, and in some of the swamp bottoms that we have there, um, there are still some semi mature trees. You know, not I'd say they're like you know 12 inches or more in diameter. You know, hardwoods. And I think what I'm going to have to do is because all the normal travel corridors are gone. I think what I'm going to have to do is, you know, shimmy up one of these trees, you know, a solid 20, 25 feet where I can kind of see a good ways and just hope I can just glass and manage to pick a deer off as he moves through like a little opening and into another. And I mean, dude, there's no hard mass. There, all the oak trees, all the, all the white oaks, all the red oaks, all the, 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 the pin oaks, everything, all of them are gone. It's, it's one of those things like you you can't even focus in on a food source besides just browse and that's everywhere. Um, I th- I mean, I'm just going to get down in those bottoms where I feel like those deer might be still bedded up where all these trees have blown over, get up real high and just glass and glass and watch because I can see now like a hundred yards, which is, you know, different than what I had to deal with before. So I'll probably get in there, get deep in those bottoms because the other members are still hunting the two fields we've got because otherwise you have to like, you know, climb over trees to get into the woods. So I'll huff back in there, climb up with the saddle 25, 25 feet, and just hope I can catch one. And the the real challenge is even if I see one, I'm going to have like 10 seconds to get off a shot because then they're going to be back in the brush. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a a difficult task ahead. That was going to be my advice for you was to get just get somewhere where you can see and try to figure out what these deer are doing. I know y'all do have some food plots that you put in. Uh, are those washed are those salvageable out. or no? Man, they're gone. They, they aren't feeding on them. No, they they okay. got they got utterly washed out. And one of them was sitting underwater up until here recently. So, like it, <laughs> when I say total destruction, there is like it, you are basically scouting and running and gunning blindly on this piece of property. It's it's kind of. I, I went for a walk trying to look for those trail cameras after last Saturday's hunt, and I'm walking around, and I'm just like, God, like, <laughs> all, all the last two years' worth of scouting and studying and trail camera work that I did, it's basically just been thrown away. Um, and if we can't get a controlled burn in some of these properties, dude, that stuff is going to come back so thick. Oh, my God, it's going to be unreal. Well, there ought to be plenty of deer there, then. Well, and that's kind of that's kind of the 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 silver lining is we're going to go in here and in some of these you know uh, creek bottoms and hardwood ridges that are now hardwood timber lines on the ground we're going to take the chainsaws and the skid steer and we're going to go in there and we're in the spring probably you know mid February we're going to go in there and we're going to cut some paths through and take the skid steer and open up some areas in there and you know our hope is that you know when all that early successional habitat pops up from that sunlight hitting the floor if you cut those paths, you can kind of funnel the deer movement and we're going to have a chance to kind of install like little micro plots here and there. So, um, we're kind of optimistic for future years, but it, it definitely doesn't help. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to look past the current issues. So what you're telling me is, is what year would this be? No kill for Walter Lee. This will be a third year solid without a, a big game kill. Without a big game kill. Yep. Yep. And I just well, I want to put this in perspective for people. In those three years, I got my master's degree. I built a house. You know, this hasn't just been solid hunting. In fact, the first year that you and I met, I hunted like six times that whole year because I was working on my master's degree. So, and now I'm that, working on my CPA. So it's not like I've just been out that. there grinding. 
I kept going like, why are you not hunting? It was like boggling my mind. I'm like, yeah, this dude's a big hunter. And then yet he has gone out like two or three times this yeah. season. Here yeah. I am been out like 30, 40, 50, a <laughs> hundred times. I mean, I go out every chance I can get. Yeah. So, but I knew you were, you were busy. You've been working on your CPA, yep. all that stuff. So, but, and you were close this year. You were really close uh, a couple of times. So we'll have to save that for uh, our podcast whenever we do like a season recap uh, for everybody, uh, which I think will be real fun. Yeah. So. Uh, they can, they can hear about, you know, my trials and tribulations and they can hear about your wild successes because you've, you've had a cool season, but you know, I, I think if we don't stop here shortly and uh, get the guest on the line tonight, I, I fear we might ramble on and, and uh, miss our window. Yeah, let's uh, let's get that guest on the phone so uh, everybody can hear him. I have got a, a dear friend of mine on the phone now. He is the mastermind behind the most uh, successful, you know, right behind Chasing Tales outdoor podcast uh, in the land right now. Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> you you just had a whole lot of fun at the ATA. What's what's going on with you and the working class bow hunters right now? Oh man, it's right now is a pretty cool time. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me again, and then all the kind words, even though uh, you're kind of full of shit, but I enjoy that. Uh, yeah, man, we're busy right now, but it's it's a good busy, you know. It's uh, a lot of opportunities on the horizon, and just some cool episodes coming out, and uh, it's a lot of cool stuff we're working on, man. Super thankful for it all, dude. It's it's been wild, you know, getting to know you and, and watching where you've been going and what you've been doing, and. Uh, being able to pick your brain as a hunter has been awesome. You know, kind of learning about the Midwest. You and I have been on the podcast. You know, I've been on yours a couple of times now. You've been on mine, and uh, or should I say ours now? But uh, it's uh, it's always been cool to kind of hear the stark contrasts between where you are, where we are, and we've talked about that a lot on the previous episodes. And I encourage anybody to go back and find those where you know Kurt and Steve came on and cut up with us, and we kind of did some comparing and contrast and. Um, Tonight's show is going to be a little different. Uh, we are going to get to talk about an actual hunt or two that uh, you've been on, kind of talk about your recent success in the deer season. Um, I'd kind of like to start this off going back a little bit. Not this year, but the year before, you had a whole lot of trouble in the deer woods, and I think that that kind of set the stage for this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, man. I mean, kind of – the way I kind of look, like to look at it is I think like success in hunting comes in waves a little bit for guys that hunt kind of, uh, well, I mean, a lot of public land guys will agree. And then guys that hunt, like, even if it's private ground, not everyone has that luxury of hunting the private ground that you see on like, like Lee and Tiffany can hunt. I mean, they've earned their property, but it's not always heavily managed. So things are unpredictable. You know, success comes in waves, deer patterns, uh, depending on your situation come, come in waves. Um, but yeah, like last year I, I didn't like, I was on deer the whole time. I saw a lot of good deer. Um, I was kind of trying to apply what I already knew, but I have an issue with like, I have like ADD really bad where I like bounce around too much and I want to be everywhere all the time. And you just can't do that. <laughs> do you, do you ever get like tree, tree, uh, tree stand picket, like paralysis where you're trying to pick out where you're going? Uh, dude, I'm last year I was bad, man. Like I, I'm all, yeah, I'm all over the place, dude. I'm like, I'll, this is my biggest fault. And I know it. My dad, like I'll sit there, be, uh, like to plot out what the next day's hunt will be. 
that I'm like, all right, I'm going to this stand. I know it's going to be good. The wind's good. I know there's a big deer in there. I'm going there. And then it'll come the next morning and I'll be like, man, I don't know, but this spot, I want to go there too. Like, I think that could be a really good spot. I think I could probably get it done there. And my dad would be like, stick to your fucking game plan. And I think, sorry, I said the F word on your podcast. It's, but, good, um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, he's right. And that's what I did this year. I just stuck with what I know. I started to kind of go off going back to what I did last year. And then I was like, nope, I developed a game plan, follow through with it. And it just worked out for me. This year, it was kind of a, a – this podcast is going to kind of center around, I think, uh, the worst, best outcome that any deer hunter could have for a season. <laughs> and that sounds really weird to say. But as as this – It does up, sound weird, but it, we can uh, – we'll, we'll elaborate. Yeah. But I, I think as, as as we, you know, kind of break that apart, it'll, it'll make sense for people. But, um, you know, last year you kind of had a tough year. This year you stuck to your game plan – um, but I want to add though too, even though last year I, I we say like I had a rough year, like are you, I still are you killed humble a really bread? nice buck yep, you and are. I killed five deer. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like I was killing does and I killed one good buck. So I say rough years and like I was on big deer but couldn't close the deal on them. Uh, yeah, sir. I mean, I totally agree with that. I'm. I was telling Walter one time that it seems like some years, like every time you turn your head, there's a big deer. You kill it. Other years, you can't see a deer, period. And then there's some deers where you just see a bunch of, like, two- and three-year-olds where you just – it's just one of them deals. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not a bad Yeah, and some years you don't see shit at all. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the worst. <laughs> that seems like about every four- or five-year <laughs> cycle where you're – it seems like you're trying to do everything that you know of and you just can't get on a deer. And then you talk to your buddy and he's seeing deer everywhere. So, um, that's where I think it kind of goes back to uh, – I mean, sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's skill. I mean, a lot of deer hunting is luck, but you got to have a lot of the preparation to, to meet that yeah, luck as well. Yeah, for sure, and it's like, you know, deer are wild animals. They can do whatever they want. You know, I say that all the time. Like, the buck doesn't have to do the same thing all the time. And, like, you lay down – basically, when, when you're hunting whitetails, you just put the best odds possible in your favor, and, you know, bed to food is essentially, like, what you're hunting, you know, transition areas, whatever – and you try to get in those spots and just put the best odds in your favor, but it doesn't always have to play out. True. Hey, the neighbor could kill that deer. I mean, you, you just never know. Yep. That's why I hate, like, super vague, like, statements where, like, the guys that are, like, real big, like, oh, the October lull doesn't exist. Well, yeah, it might not. I talked about this a lot. I probably talked about this on your podcast before, guys. But I think maybe. it's It's one of those things, like, the October lull is fake. You just don't know how to hunt deer. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe it's fake, but for a lot of like working class dudes with average size properties, if the deer are changing their patterns mid October and they're not seeing deer, that's an October lull for that guy. Right. And, but a lot of those guys that say these statements, like you just don't know how to pattern deer. In my opinion, if you're going to make a very generalized, bold statement like that in hunting, you should kill a deer every October if you're that guy saying that. Every October when the lull comes in, you should be killing a buck. Every time. Otherwise, you can't say that. You can't say that type of statement like you don't know how to hunt deer in October. Right, or maybe you are patterning the deer because they're just not on your property in October. I mean, I've got a couple of properties where the deer don't even show up till like mid-November, uh, 1st of December. So how am I supposed to pattern a deer that's not on my property? Yeah, so, you were having a lull. Yeah, I was in. I was in a lull. 
That's I why I've got other properties. <laughs> I think it's one of those things. I've I've witnessed that a lot on on the places that I've hunted here in Florida, and that is that a lot of the time it just seems like there's a it, it's this weird dynamic because you have a lot of young bucks in an area early in the year, and even though our deer our bucks don't ever really get aggressive, and there's not like this. You know, you don't see deer fighting, and you can't really rattle in bucks very consistently here. You do see, like, a territorial shift happen, like, right about in October, where these mature deer just start showing up on camera and and start pushing the, the younger deer out. And if you hunt small tracks like I have, which are, you know, 100 to 125 acres, it's, you know, your your sightings can drastically shift overnight. And I can see how that would feel like a lull to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for sure. So let me let me pick your brain. Uh, last year was a tough year. You killed five deer. Tell us about the buck. Oh, you- come on, all right. Don't worry <laughs> like that. <laughs> that was a great year. It, it was a great year, man. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Work look with me here. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, and I'm I'm not. That wasn't a slight. It kind of came out that way, but that's not the way I meant it. I. I genuinely admit that. Dick, it, Walt. I know, I know. <laughs> what? Coming from a man who hasn't killed any deer. <laughs> the guy that hadn't killed something in three year years. He killed five deer, but it's a uh, boo-hoo. <laughs> what, 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 uh, what quality buck, did, what kind of buck did you shoot last year? He's pushing 130. He's Pope and Young. Oh, so he's a solid deer. He's, one, he, he's every bit of 125 as a 10. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So. Okay, well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, I completely shot him, and I would have shot him over again right after. I'm not saying I regret shooting him. Right, but. right. So heading into this year, you 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 had a different expectation for the year, um, in the fact that, well, let me back it up. Was the only thing that you did differently this year that you stuck to your game plan the night before and didn't second guess yourself? A little bit of that, though, and I guess I never really I never really talked about this. I don't think last year was my first year hunting that property. Oh, so I guess that also proves in a lot. Like I was also trying. I never really like went into detail on this, and that's a big, it's a major point in the story. Um, I was trying to learn it as fast as possible as well. Right. So okay. I got permission to hunt it right before season, so that also like is a big factor in that. And I don't know why I never clarified that before (laughs) even on my own podcast i never i don't think i ever mentioned that um but anyway that's i should have so my my bad there but so that might have been part of my fault so i kind of knew the property better this year gotcha okay so then you had an outstanding year last year because first year on the property and you killed five deer word (laughs) okay (laughs) yes but you gotta understand though like i'm really hard on myself from that standpoint you know i get it I get it. I've, I, I'm, the teasing's done. Teasing's done. I promise. No, I can. No, I bring the teasing <laughs> on. I think that shit's great. So, yeah. you've been on my podcast. You know how that. Shit <laughs> <operates>. <laughs> the, so, did you have any new properties this year? I thought you had one, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, we got a lease, um, and we re- we just released it today. Actually, was our renewal. Um, that was kind of a. It was a slow, slow property, man. We had. I had a shit ton of cameras out on it. Nothing really big. Not a lot of deer. I shot a coyote there. My dad shot a doe there. Um, it really, it's not like a real great property, but there's just a comfort in knowing that you are going to have a secure place to hunt for sure. another year. So we released it. So neither of the deer that you shot this year that we're going to talk about today uh, were shot off that property? No, it's it's real close to it. Gotcha. It's, it's They're the same uh, county. 
Um, they're it's like ten minutes apart, honestly. That's awesome. I'm I'm a little jealous. Both you and Chase have private land to hunt, like right down the street. You could you could hobo hike, hitchhike. Well, it's down an hour there. for me to get there, but. Oh, I thought you meant they were ten minutes from where you're at. I got you now. No, 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 no. My two leap, my two properties that I can hunt are an hour from my house, roughly, but they're ten minutes from each other. Oh, sweet. Okay, got you. That's that's, that's a little bit different drive. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I can dig it. Well, before we go into this chase, do you have any questions that you want to lead uh, this discussion with before we 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 actually jump into how his season unfolded? Oh uh, well, the only thing I would have for the listeners is is where where's kurt hunting you're hunting in illinois correct yeah we're like northwest illinois not really like west northwest central ish we're um we're about an hour from peoria so we're rock island county mercer county warren county um scott county for uh the guys on our podcast that are on the iowa side okay are you are you close to fulton county yeah I, i've killed a lot of deer in fulton county Okay, I hunted there about nine years ago now. Um, didn't kill anything, but I mean, I did have some pretty good encounters. It was we hunted there for like six or seven days. Um, Fulton County is an awesome, in my opinion, one of the top counties in Illinois. Um, my dad shot. Well, I know you you've seen the Geyer buck before. That's Ooh. a Fulton County buck. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen the pics of that one. Yeah. So yeah, that that buck's out of Fulton County. Um, I've killed some good Pope and Youngs in Fulton County. Um, a lot of my buddies have pro- own property there and hunt there. There's some good public ground in Fulton. Okay, there's cool. good public um, ground in Fulton. Yeah, there's a real good spot, but it's all it's uh, everybody knows about it. That's the problem. But gotcha. I've I've studied it a lot on Onyx, and I can see some loopholes in it. Hey, I'm gonna pack my bags this fall. <laughs> hey, it's there, man. I think <laughs> you buy your out of state or your non-resident stuff in Illinois. I think. Don't hold me to it. I haven't scouted it. Like I haven't put boots on the ground in that area, but I think you just print out like the permission slip online and you can hunt. No doubt. I think. Someone will probably call me on that, but I don't know. Nice. Now, what size properties were you hunting this year? Are you hunting small tracks, large tracks? Um, for Illinois, I don't know in Florida what you guys consider. So most of the properties here are between – I. I can't speak for everyone. I would say on average, what, what I hunt is between 40 and like 85, 90 acres. So 80 acres is what the property that I was hunting on is. No shit. It's 82, but there's a lot of CRP in it. Okay. So it's it, up here. It's the big, big chunks of timber, at least on properties I've hunted are rare. Um, the property I grew up hunting was a chunk of timber. It was a 60-acre chunk of timber with no field edges and no crop on it. So I hunted timber bucks, I guess, if you want to call them that. The neighbors had all the crop and stuff, so it was always a challenge to hunt. But um, about 80 acres is, is the property we were on. Okay. And my other question, last question for you. Now, these bucks, did you know they were in the area? Like, did you have trail cam photos, or were they just passing through? Any history with them? The second buck, yes, I had, I had, I did have a little history with him. The first buck, no. Okay. okay. Cool. And then we can dive into that. I don't know where you guys want to want to take it, but I can kind of get into that in a little more detail. Well, yeah. Before before we go down that, and I and that's where I do want to take this after after this next topic. But 
it surprises me that all the chunks of property are so small out there. Is that is that a recent thing, or because whenever you're and I'm going to play into the stereotypical guy that sits on the couch and watches hunting shows, it always seems yeah. like they're hunting much larger pieces of property in Iowa, in Illinois. Is that just a small sample size of of people hunting out there? Yeah, I would say it's. Man, and my and I can only speak from like my experiences and people I know. Like most of my friends hunt very humble sized farms with not a lot of like extravagant opportunity for like food plots and management. And most right. people are battling neighbors because everything at this point now, especially with the the outfitters and all that, that everything's getting leased now, everything's getting parceled out. So if you if you get an opportunity to buy a 40 acre chunk of timber or lease a 40 acre chunk of timber with a, with a couple field edges, you got a hot spot. Really? And you're going to pay uh, a pretty penny for it to get a lease. Like our lease is, you know, we, we got lucky with our lease. Um, there is potential there. And that is nice that we could grow potential on it. Maybe. Um, which is why we released it again. Going to give it another chance and just, it's just a nice place to go and spend time, honestly. Um, but I would say mostly, yeah, most of it's small. It's a lot of it's parceled out. It's leased. Um, I do have some buddies that are farmers that have some bigger chunks of ground. Their family does. Um, but that that's not so common. There's a lot of like the farm. It seems like most of the people who have those opportunities um, don't hunt like we hunt. They just, uh, they grew up on the farm. They did farm work. Right, up. But, right. But I do have some good friends that have farms that have a lot of farm ground and know what the hell they're doing. So if that hopefully that answers. Yeah, the no, it it does, and, and it kind of leads us down an an easy segue, and and you can, in answering this, take this down the path that Chase was asking you about the history with the animal, but how does that impact you know hunting an eighty acre chunk? How does that impact your decision making and your comfort level when choosing whether or not to shoot a buck? Because because um, you don't have like five hundred acres where you can be like, well, he. He probably is going to make it because he lives in the middle of that 500 acres. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's like the big difference, right? So, like, you have comfort in knowing, like, a pass on a three-year-old, you know, he has a better chance of making it if you have a bigger piece of ground, obviously. Um, really, it just depends. Um, for me, lately, like, especially after last year, I'm to the point where, of course, I want to shoot a mature deer, but I also shoot what gets my blood going, too. So if a buck comes in the right way and you get excited about it, I have no shame in putting an arrow through on it. Um, and my, both the deer I shot this year are great bucks. The first one, you know, if I would have had time to watch him walk in slowly, I, in all honesty, I probably would have passed him. I'm really glad I shot him cause he shook me up bad. Um, but it just all depends. Like it depends what you're striving for. Really. Um, my dad passed a lot of deer on the lease that were like good, good bucks for a lot of people but just not really what he was looking for and that's a big gamble like that deer was coming off my dad would watch him come from the neighbor's ground and he saw him like five days in a row come from the neighbor's ground every time onto ours and maybe the neighbor was on the same page as we were and we didn't know it or he wasn't hunting like we were so that deer hopefully made it through um does that kind of answer like yeah i guess it's just it's harder. You would think like, oh yeah, smaller piece. I'm going to get to know that deer better, but really he's bouncing from property to property. So it's kind of more of a challenge in a way, um, depending on the layout. I had a lot of trail cams. I litter properties with trail cams 
um, almost to a fault sometimes. Um, but it just depends. I don't know. Like I don't really, it's rare that I get like a long, long history with a deer. So what kind of history did you have? I guess we can start with like when you realized that you had this deer and kind of go into it, uh, as you had encounters, because you may not have had encounters with the first deer you killed first, but how did you go about, uh, a, you know, witnessing that you had these deer on the property? How did that unfold? Do you want me to start the, the early, the October buck or the November buck? Cause the November buck is the one I knew about. Well, then let's start with that one. If that's the one you knew about. Yeah. Okay. So the November buck, I, I, so I hunted this property last year for the first time, or I guess it being not, not this past season, the season before for the first time. And just over the summer, on like lunch breaks and shit, I was studying topo maps and just studying maps and whatever of the property. I saw like a pinch that I didn't see before on the map. Like I was kind of like, oh, no brainer. And a little bit of like shed hunting, scouting really helps out because you can see like how the how the earth is kind of beat in with deer trails, you know. So kind of like that can wake you up a lot to a property, especially if it was like your first year hunting it. And I was kind of like, oh man, that thing was right in front of me. Like how do I, how did I not see that the first year? Um, so I guess it just takes time to learn, learn property sometimes. Um, so I basically, I hung a stand in there over the summer and I thought I had it in a good spot where there's a trail on this ridge along this Creek. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be freaking knockout. So I'm only going to hunt it on a South wind. Cause the wind blows over the Creek there. The deer think it's good for them. Well, I wasn't down far enough on the ridge. So I think it was like October, I, I want to say it was like the first two weeks, three weeks of season. I was in there on an afternoon hunt and I had some does come in, they slip out. And I had that feeling. I thought I heard something. I had the feeling like something was watching me and I turn around and I just see like big body on the ridge. You know, when you see, you see, ah, man, you guys are from Florida. I don't know if you know this feeling <laughs> because it's different. Like I, I, that sounds like, again, so I could feel your, your pain earlier, Walt. I'm not ripping you guys, but <laughs> I got you. When you see a big, heavy-bodied Midwestern buck and you don't see what's on top of his head, you can just tell from neck down to body, like, oh, shit, that's a big deer. Right. They just they carry themselves a different way. It's almost like a big, heavy rodeo bull-looking body. So you can just tell. It's not like a, a slender-fit doe. And I saw this body, the body, and I look up, and I see Rack, and he's got me pet well he he saw me turn around but didn't actually see me completely so he was froze up doing his look thing and then you know when they look oh yeah they look and then you stay still and then they look away so you'll move and then they look back <laughs> to try and catch you real fast he did that and i calculated i'm like all right there's this look here there's this look away don't move boom look back tried to catch me he didn't like it and so then he, he turned around and slipped out like not overly busted, but just didn't, he didn't want to continue on the trail. He was continuing on. So I'm like, well, I got this stand in the wrong spot. Pull the stand down, move it over, come in another day, hang it and hunt it north of where that ridge was, where he was standing. So now I'm, I'm north of, or north of his trail. So on a South wind, he thinks that's good for him, but it's also good for me. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 No, I'm following you. I'm following you. So fast forward to November 3rd, it, it rained. A, I don't know about down there. It rained a shit ton up here this season like in November, <laughs> late October. Yeah. We got a bunch of rain. 
so uh the south wind that's the only time i was hunting there I, I had a cell cam out there and i realized deer only move in that area on south winds like it's just beneficial for them to move through there um because it's kind of like down down like a slope from a field edge so it's just like the perfect like bed to feed type of funnel and then a creek pinches it in there it's beautiful um so it rained and rained and rained i was gonna go in there went to a different spot this is where i changed my mind like an <laughs> asshole went to another spot that was also good for a south wind on the other end of the property keep in mind i haven't seen that buck since early october when he pegged me right so, okay and this is now when november yeah, this is like November third. Okay, this is no. Actually, it is November third. After November third. Quick it's question. Corn rain. Yeah. Did you purposely give him that break, or were you just waiting for the right opportunity, having known he was still in that area? Yes. Okay. All of the yeah to both. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm on the other end of the property on a south wind, seeing deer. You know, I passed a buck that. Uh, I wanted to shoot, honestly, but I didn't that night. And I checked my cell cam, and I have a picture of this buck on the same trail that I saw him on earlier trotting through. Kind of looked like he was on a mission. Not running, but it was kind of a blurry, like, in-motion photo. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm like, motherfucker. Like, I should have just stuck to my guns and went to there on the south wind, like I said earlier. Go there on south winds. <laughs> and I didn't do it. So I had an hour drive home kicking my own ass thinking about it so i called my dad i called my buddy austin chandler and get, kind of talked to them because it was supposed to rain like crazy starting like late at night early into the morning and i'm trying to develop a game plan they're like hey it's supposed to pour down rain sleep in in the morning go in a few hours before dark it's supposed to rain all day perfect win everything so i slip in park way the hell out of range i if the buck was was going to do the same thing i think i knew where he was bedded which is where he came from earlier in october so i park way the hell out cut where where i thought he was bedded he can't see any of this it's up a big gradual hill on this flat where the cornfield is so i walk my ass across this muddy cornfield where it's like building up on my boots and they're all heavy i get to the timber and I just, like, full-blown, like, stealth mode, just, like, take a half hour to walk 100 yards, like, go really slow. Wow. And just and just chill, you know? Like, get in there. You're fine. Go quiet. I get in there, and 45 minutes, I hear a big pop, and I look down, and he's standing down the bottom, actually downwind from me. So he was even more more north of me than I, than I anticipated. And I watched him come in for, like, a half hour just really nothing on his agenda just doing big buck things like he would walk 10 minutes and stop or he would walk for a little bit stop and look around for 10 minutes it was crazy it was the coolest thing ever just to like watch a big deer do that type of stuff mm -hmm. stuff that you like always wish you could watch him do and uh that's how big bucks slip in on you like i learned so much by watching him do that like they they're just if they're not in a hurry they just take their sweet time and observe everything around them and the creek end up basically pinching them right into me and i shot them at like oh man i'd say between can't remember exactly i'd say 12 to 15 yards right underneath me damn broadside um, he was quartering away a little bit it went in what looks like like back liver and it came out like 
just money on the on his left shoulder, like just right where you'd want to put it. Okay, so what kind of blood were you getting? Because when you tell me that well, you have you have that picture, I sent you that picture of him, his body laying. That's oh, how I found him. Okay, I didn't so, like, I didn't put two, and two together. Yeah, so when you look at that photo, the shot looks far back. So, and and, and I thought it was honestly, I thought it was far back. It, it was a weird thing because I was in the moment. I pulled my I, he was downwind, so I kept my face mask on the entire time. I pulled my face mask down at full draw on him. <laughs> and I tried to stop him, and he didn't hear me. So I'm like, fuck, he's going to slip out of here. And I still could have got a cord and waist shot, but, you know, if you can get a broadside, why not? And uh, he was just a big old boy, man. And so when I shot him, I released, and it was like sounded like someone shot a, a, a Mylar balloon. It was loud as fuck, like, boom! And he took off, and he was just tucked, laying it all out. And I'm like, man, I popped his diaphragm for sure. Had yeah. to have, right? So... I'm making phone calls, and I'm like, it looked far back, but I heard the pop. Like, So I had to hit diaphragm. I went through his chest cavity, and I'm talking to everyone. I talked to my buddy Cameron's like, dude, dead deer, 100%. Well, the worry was if it, there was more rain coming, like a torrential downpour. And uh, I had like a half-hour window. Um, luckily, it held off longer. I got down, sat there, sat at my arrow for like an hour and 15 minutes, and then um, the blood looked kind of, it looked like good blood. It was good blood right where the arrow passed through. It was, the arrow was a little chunky, like it could have gone through a little liver or something. Um, it didn't smell. Um, and I kind of walked along and saw good blood and I just sat there for, for an hour and 15 minutes and fucking freaked out pretty much worried about the rain. I mean, there's not much you could have, could, could do about the rain. What did that's that's always been like a, a fear of mine because we get a lot of all of our cold weather tends to kind of come from and Chase you can correct me if I'm wrong here but I feel like it, all our cold weather comes on the heels of like some kind of big rainstorm here and a lot of times those are really like good drizzly rainy you know kind of alternating days does that ever like have you ever lost a deer because the blood trails washed away personally I never have I've I've blood trail deer during the rain um but luckily we've always hit them good enough or if i'm helping a buddy it's always been hit good enough to where we we get on them right um my big thing is don't look away until that deer leaves your 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 um your view if you can still see that deer watch him watch him watch him and bury your eyes on him until he's completely gone because you might have to go back and rewind the mental tape and be like, okay, he was near that pine tree or that's, he went between those two cedars or whatever. Right. So that's what my, like every time I hit a deer, I'm like crouched down looking, looking, looking until he disappears. And then I'm like, then my celebration or whatever I have to do starts either I'm celebrating or I'm cussing or whatever I got to do, you know, <laughs> Kurt, are you guys allowed to use dogs up there to help you find deer? You are. I don't know that I've never used them. Um, for trailing, I don't know the details. I don't know if they have to be leashed or not. I've never done it, but I know guys do it. Oh wait, no, I do because when when I hunted up there, it was through an outfitter, and they did say uh, that they did have a guy with dogs because in case you had got shot a deer or something like that, they were like, we don't even go looking for it for fifteen hours. Like they said that whatever dogs they had, um, they could still pick up the trail within twenty four hours of a shot. So they wouldn't even go in. Like, if you were questionable or anything like that, they wouldn't even send the dogs in uh, for, like, 15 hours. Um, and from what I can remember is 
they pick up smell better when the ground's wet anyways. So uh, that's what I was kind of wondering. If you ever do have that happen, I think dogs actually pick up scent when it's in the water or whatever. It helps keep that scent on the ground. So just just, just something to think about. Um, but obviously you found your deer, so you didn't have to worry about dogs. Yeah, yeah. I, I got down and I, I love blood trailing and, and analyzing that. Like that's part of like the, the fun for me. So it's like I wanted to push forward a little bit. I'm like, man, I got to sneak. because It was quiet, right, because everything's saturated. So I could get away with a little bit of, like, sneaking around. And I didn't want to go too far because he kind of went over this little ridge um, where kind of like the, the pinch I was in, it's like a ridge, little ravine, ridge, and then it flattens out. And that's where I lost sight when he went over that little ridge. And I'm like, fuck, like it's starting to get – a little, I'm losing light. It's not getting dark yet, but and then the rain clouds are coming in too. So it's getting dark in the timber pretty fast. So I'm on the phone with my dad. I'm like, I don't know. I got good blood here. I'm going to slip forward really slow and see, even if he's bedded, if I can get another arrow in him, if the shot was far back, like I might've thought, whatever. So I put my binos on and I just slipped along really slowly and I'm on good blood. And then I get to, where I'm starting to crest that little hill and then the blood's starting to get really good. So I'm like, all right, this is good. Like I feel better about it. And there's an open field out there a ways, probably 200 more yards. I can kind of see out in there. It's like CRP type meadowy grasses. And uh, I get to the top of the ridge and I'm just glassing the, the, the ground and you know, it's in the woods. So there's sticks and shit and I'm glassing with my binos back and forth, back and forth. And I just see, right side beam and tine sticking up and i couldn't believe i even spotted it honestly but i'm like oh shit like at first the way it was laying i'm like he's bedded alive you know so i got up the ridge and i'm looking with my binos and i could see his back and i'm like fuck is he laying up like just laying there like dying so i start sneaking forward and i get to about 15 yards and it's still it's kind of awkward from my angle i can't tell what he's looking like so I have like my release on, I have an arrow knock. I take a stick and whip it and hit him in the back. And I immediately like hook my release on and draw. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, he's dead. So like I was not letting that thing get up and get away from me. So it was awesome, man. It was a good, good day. So you arrow whipped a dead deer. I didn't shoot him. No, you arrow whipped him. You hit him in the back, you said? I hit him with a, uh, with a stick. <laughs> oh, a stick. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I whipped the stick at him to see because I figured he'd at least I'd get an ear flicker or something, and then yeah. I was doing the old yeah to see if he'd like flicker an ear or anything. He was he was out, man. He died just right away, right over the hill where I lost sight of him. He crashed, but I couldn't hear him crash because it was all wet. Yeah, what time of day did that that deer? When did you first see that deer? I know you were hunting afternoon at that point, but was it early? Oh, let me pull up my photo. I wonder if I can take a if I can see what time I took that photo. Let me look. Cody DeQuisto just texted me. That's kind of funny. Um, you know you're a big timer when. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that dude, you ever try to get a hold of that guy? He's impossible to get a hold of. So um, I'll show you. I took 4.03 p.m. is when I sent the picture of my fletching to my dad. So I shot him probably at 3.15 p.m. Okay, what time does it get does it get dark around five, five fifteen that time of year? That time of year, it probably gets dark at five thirty, five fifteen. Yeah, probably in there somewhere. 
Okay, so he was up moving around. Now, did he have any – now, when you got up to him, did he look ruddy at all? Did it look like he had been chasing does? Was his neck all swole? He was a big-body deer anyway. He wasn't He wasn't real stinky. He was just about to get stinky, I thought. Like, he was on the verge of getting ruddy. But his neck and everything, yeah, like, I'm sure Walken sent you some pictures, the pictures I sent to him uh, of the buck, like, laying down on the ground, um, how I found him. And he's he's a big boy, man. He's uh, – did you weigh him? I think he. I don't remember what he dressed out at. I would. I'd guess him in the high two hundreds. Mm. Yeah, he, he's just heavy, heavy chunk all the way through. So, so what is that moment like for you? You know, the, it's always interesting to me how different outdoorsmen view that moment when they walk up on on whatever it is that they've pursued and they've killed it, and they, in that moment hit you when you recognize that like it's done you found it the whole journey of pursuing the animals over what is that moment like for you i try and like live in the moment as as much as i can because i think about it all year long so like when it's july that's the moment i'm thinking for it's when i'm laying in bed and i'm gonna go hunt the next morning i sit and think about these type of moments and I think about it all year. Yeah, I, I, I'm a pretty emotional person when it comes to deer hunting. Like, I I would joke around and shit a lot. But, like, when it comes to this, I take it very seriously. So, for me, I kind of just try and take a moment to, like, think about how fucking hard some of the struggles were. Like, when you get busted by a deer and things don't work out, you sit there and you wonder, why, why the hell do you even do what you do? Like, you blow off people to do shit like this. So I, what, what I do, I just sit and stare at the deer and like try to be thankful for it. Really. Like just really take the moment in as best as I can try and be conscious with it. Like put my phone down, quit Snapchatting the thing and like, just really sit there and look at what you did. And I guess just be conscious in, in, in that moment. That's awesome, man. Those, those moments are so rare that I think a lot of people, and it's not really a judgment. It's going to kind of sound like I'm judging, and I'm really not. You go about it however you want to, but I feel like those meeting, those moments are so fleeting that, and you know, realistically, if you're like me, you and Chase, you put damn near a year-round effort into this, and that moment lasted you, what, like five, ten minutes? Yeah. I mean, if you don't soak that in, I think I think you kind of, you know, shorten yourself a little bit, so. Yeah, like I try and – you know, like, perfect example, my buddy Cameron Tank shot a buck um, a few weeks later, two weeks later, whatever, and he shot it, and he watched it fall, and he's like, I'm going to go get it right now. And I'm like, dude, wait, hold on. Like, go home, like, go talk to your wife, go home, grab your boy, like, let me grab my camera and stuff, and, and just kind of savor the moment of, like, knowing you're successful. Like, don't rush, don't rush down there right away. There's plenty. He shot it, like, late afternoon, so there's plenty of daylight left. Right. right? enjoy the day man you know that deer's dead let's go in there slowly and take our time and like soak up the the moment of the blood trail and and kind of just like bring the moment in for what it is and and then go in and get him we got plenty of time to get him out and let's just enjoy it and uh he's like ah fuck you're right you know that's what we should do so um i'm all about just soak it up man because yeah you're right it doesn't happen and and in July, you're going to be wishing you were in that same moment. So just kind of live it, live it while it's happening. Be aware of it. What, uh, so the, the deer that 
you shot in October. So this deer was in, killed in November. You encountered in October, but in, in in October itself, you ended up harvesting your first deer for the year. Did was that on the same? <laughs> yeah. Huh. I shot a doe earlier, but yeah. Okay, so first first buck. First buck. I got you. I yeah. got you. Um, well, hold on. Let's chase that for a second. What's your philosophy on killing does? Do you try and get that done early season or late season? I like to shoot them early. Why? Personally. Um, I like, I think they're just easier to shoot early. Okay. Um, not easier, but you have a better opportunity at shooting a doe early and you can kind of get meat in the freezer, which is I'm big on because that's all my family eats is venison. We don't eat, we don't eat beef. Um, at restaurants we do, but at home we only eat venison. Right on. Um, so that's a big thing for me, get meat in the freezer, break the ice. Normally I have a new bow, so I'm like breaking that thing in and just kind of getting, getting a feel for things. And, and I just like shooting deer. Honestly, it's as simple as that. And I like shooting them earlier though, because I have shot those late before, but I just know that they, they're not carrying a little one at that point. I hear you. So, okay. It's just one of those things that, you know, I've shot a lot of those later season, like after the rut, whatever. But I just like to shoot them earlier. Well, I think you're fortunate because in Florida we get we have a bow season that's about 30 days long, and you can shoot does during that time. And then we'll have a second little mini season that's like three days uh, at the middle to end of November that we can shoot does with a with any weapon. So we can't just go out and say, okay, we're going to fill all of our doe tags. Uh, at least in the past. But this year, Florida, I guess, is actually going to a tag system. And it's going to be, I believe it's going to be the three bucks and two does yep. um, that we're going to get tags. Before, it was free-for-all on bucks, basically. And then you just had to kill your does. You could kill a doe every day of the archery season and then one a day um, during the, the three-day season that you get during the rifle. So it's kind of hard for us to say, oh, when do we like to shoot our does? Basically, whenever you get a chance down here, or was. But now that it's going to a tag system, uh, it looks like we'll be able to uh, make that happen because a lot of guys down here, if they don't bow hunt and they go and they try to get does, they, they really only have a three-day window. And if they can't go those days, one of them's like on a Friday, so mm-hmm. a lot of guys are at work. So basically got two days uh, to kind of get some does. So I'm kind of glad they're going to a tag system. That way those guys can just get their does because we, or at least where I'm at, there's just a ton of does. I mean, you can go, you can go see 30, 40 does in a sit a lot of times. So – um, so I'm, I'm kind of glad Florida's kind of going to a, more of like a management type system with tags and stuff. Yeah. It just makes more sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause some guys, I mean, when you literally, you think you could kill, I think it's like technically you could kill like 240 bucks in a season if you really wanted to, but there's guys out there killing 30, you know what I mean? Like if every time they go out, they can put a buck down. So I kind of like the idea. I also think that's sort of greedy. Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely greedy. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> um, and we Way got a lot of dog hunters on down publicly. here. All kinds of stuff going on, anyways. So, I mean, you, you mix those in there, um, so they're probably upset uh, for sure that we're going to go to a tag system. But I mean, I'm happy. Um, so, I mean, I don't take more than I need to take. Right, right. You know, because it's it's a resource, yes, but let's be respectful. True. Now, if they're donating, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're for the hungry, meat, yeah, yeah. That is good. I'm on board with that. But you don't got to shoot that many bucks. I was about to say, yeah. I mean, right. Yeah, it just depends on what the property is, how many guys are hunting there. I mean, like if me, like we have a 500-acre piece. If there's only two of us hunting there, 
then maybe we have to kill one or two more. But I, like I said, I always have a couple of people that I know love deer meat, but they don't hunt. So I try to give some deer meat away every year um, as well. So it's not like I'm, it's going to waste or anything. I always know people that want the meat. Um, so it's just dependent. But yeah, I, like I said, I've been trying, I've been asking for a tag system for the last 10 years. So I'm glad they're Florida's actually trying going to it. I think it'll probably make a big difference in, in quality. I think over like a five, five to, I mean, 10 year, probably five to seven year span, you'll see a big difference. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cause we, we got potential. I think what it's going to also do is there's there's like some conflicting ideas here. You know, I I'm not going to sit here and say this is the only reason that I didn't kill a, a doe this year. But if during bow season is one of your like is is the only time when it's wide open to kill deer, and then you take public land, and you say you can only hunt it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So now what you've done is you've taken four weeks, you've given people four weeks of three days to kill a deer to get it within bow range and on heavily pressured public land that can be pretty difficult deer get quick smart and then Mm -hmm. you go to the regular muzzleloader or gun season but you can't shoot does and you only have friday saturday sunday to kill a buck but then you have like two doe weekends well if you're like me and you travel to see family and those doe weekends land on thanksgiving and christmas i mean you've got you got four weekends at the beginning of the season to shoot a doe Whereas if I could have shot deer and been limited to three and shot them whenever, dude, I had deer around me every hunt from December 8th on through the rest of the season. I've not gone a single hunt without seeing a deer. I could have put deer in my freezer. It's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of frustrating in that regard. And also there's some really good late season quota hunts that you can put in for and go after. And I think that there's a lot of people that travel from South Florida up here to hunt because their season is long over by now. And if they've already killed two deer, you know, let, let's take let's take Chase's example of the guy that kills several bucks in a year. Well, if you only give them two and they killed their two, then they're not up here crowding. And in my opinion, being greedy by having shot like, you know, five deer down there and then traveling up here yeah. and, 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 you know, kind of encroaching on my season. You know, it just I don't know. It, it, it should change things quickly. Yeah, I would imagine it would. It's uh. Well, it's good that they they your guys' state woke up and kind of realized what a change that needed to happen. Yeah, I just oh, yeah, hope it. Sure. I hope it. I hope they stand behind it long enough to see the benefit. You know, I hope that it's not like a yeah. knee jerk reaction. Right, because you have to give that anything with deer. You know, you have to give it some time because nothing. It doesn't just happen in a year. Uh huh. No, no, it doesn't. Well, let's we we chase that rabbit a little bit there. Let's. Hey, give, one thing I want to add quick before we move yeah. on. Yeah. Sorry to go back to this. You know, I was talking about like living in the moment and stuff. That's why, like, I don't know if you've noticed this. While some of the pictures I've sent you, I always have a photo of like the deer um, laying as it fell, like a full body, like laid out right. photo. That's like part of my way of like looking back. I just want to add this in. Like, maybe people can do this and it'll help them remember, like, to walk up. Um, I always like I always like to take those photos because it's it's how it happened and that's like how you that was like your first sight of it so that's why like that picture i sent you walled of the of the buck just laying there on its own that's how he was laying when i found him i didn't move him and and alter him in any way that's how he was laying oh how cool so that's just like maybe that i don't know if that's like a little tip that people that have success on a hunt can take a photo and kind of remember it not a, not a, a photo i like to post online and like post about or anything like that but something more personal that i can kind of just look back on 
Well, and I, I kind of did that and didn't even realize it. Now that you say that, when I killed my big buck, he landed within like spitting distance of me in the field. Like he was like 40 yards away from me. And I, t- and the sun was kind of in my face and there was like a, a cloudy, misty type situation there. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I took a photo of it. And I oftentimes look at that photo now and I'm like, and it kind of takes me back. I didn't even realize what I was capturing there. So I think I'm going to have to like make that a part of my, my ritual now that you've brought that to my attention and, and, and make that part of what I do every time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it helps, man. I just sent you the picture of the, I don't know if it'll send with me on the phone. Oh yeah, it went. I don't know if you'll get it. Uh, but the buck I shot in October of the same type of photo, like of him just kind of laying there. Oh, well, I just, I set my bow on him there, but other than that, I hadn't really moved him. Your buck in October you shot? Is that what you said? Yeah. The, yeah, I shot gotcha. that one October 20th. So you, so you sent me four photos. The first two, that's your October buck, right? No, the first one's your October buck, right? Um, I sent you four photos. Those are all the same buck. Those are all the November buck, the that, one I was talking okay. about where he came in. Gotcha. The bigger one, the big-bodied one where he's yeah, laying there yeah, all yeah, like, yeah. laid up. Oh, that's man. the one that I have more history with. Chase, I'm going to forward this to you because you can actually see a massive difference in the body. Like, that's a – those those two deer are while they're both big, they're definitely different. Yeah, the one I sent you, the last one I just sent you just now with my uh, bow laying on them. That's October twentieth. That was the first one. Let's uh, let's talk about your first deer because your first deer was. I won't say. Ah, I'm not gonna tell this story. Okay, so because I'm I almost ruined it by like inflecting my conversation with you on this deer, and I want you to tell this story. So this deer you killed was opening weekend or was it the weekend after it was october 20th and season here opens or october 20th season here opens october 1st okay so, so pretty quick yeah, yeah yeah i got you quick First, if you get a buck down in october you're doing good well yeah especially because if you read anywhere you can't do that um so i don't know <laughs> where <laughs> sorry oh in the midwest in, in florida <laughs> our rut is in october <laughs> yeah 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 um well we meant to realize that for some reason that you just kind of you just moved through it so smoothly <laughs> chase what did you say i said i said but not i said in florida or where i'm at the the rut is in october yeah like mid or one of my spots is in october so it's not really an october lull for me because that's where it's more lull like late season type deal is more when our lull is because it seems like all the bucks kind of disappear uh, after that so i can see that here it's just kind of the same too because like if you don't unless you have food on your ground if you don't have food on your ground it's like fuck yeah. everybody moves over right right so i don't know where to start on this buck because i don't want to tell the story so why don't you kind of just take the story and run with it how you want to for your for your october buck yeah um so the stand i shot this deer out of I hung it last year, um, late October, or the season prior, I guess I should say, in late October. Uh, actually, no, probably the first week of November. So, and it was just, uh, it just seemed like a good spot. The way the terrain features kind of flowed through it, and it just smelt ruddy in there and good, and like bucks were using <laughs> it, does were using it. And uh, it's actually where I shot my buck last year um, and saw a pretty good deer also. Um, trying to think of like where to go with it actually okay you know what i got an idea here's a question for you did had you seen this deer before or after you encountered in october 
the buck you shot in November? After. So you encountered this deer after you you so when you when you saw this deer, mm-hmm. were you thinking, ooh, this is a great one to break the ice? Were you kind of a little let down, like in 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 what your hopes were? Like how did that how did that play out for you? All right, okay, that's a good transition. So where I was in, I knew there was gonna be in that stand in that spot. The wind was good where I sat down, but we were expecting a really hard wind change, like in that morning. Right. So I knew whatever deer could have been over in one spot, if he was bedded up like they do in October, bedded up relatively early with a hard wind change, any deer that was over there. And of course I'm guessing, right? So I'm I'm thinking hypothetically, any deer that's over there with the wind change is going to have to want to be over here on the other side of me. And I think that's what got this deer to move, but he came in at like, not a run, but like a trot with a mission, if that makes sense. He's moving with purpose. And I was honestly, it was like, fuck, let me even see what time that photo was. That's the beautiful thing about iPhones or I guess any phones, not I can check that. Um, It was nine o'clock and I was like, well, I haven't seen a deer at all well, I guess I should start wrapping up and I look up and here he comes hopping the ditch down the bottom at a trot. And I just saw his one side of the rack and he's got like a, uh, he's got like a good six, seven inch brow on the one side. I saw that and bright white tines coming up the other side at a trot. So I grabbed my bow, hooked my release, drew back. He stopped at like 11 yards and I just whipped him and he crashed right in front of me. And I got so shook up over that, that, like I, I video me just like losing my shit. I video myself because I couldn't believe how like freaked out I was. I'm like sick to my stomach for the first time and all that. And yeah, just the way it worked out, man. What What do you think so, got you so shook up about that? How fast it happened and how unexpected it happened and, and, and how perfect it happened. Okay. It was just like everything you want to go right in a hunt, it happened on that one. So for him to go in and dude, I'm like double long him here. I'm like, Oh fuck. Perfect. Runs up on the Hill. I'm looking at, I'm not even looking at his rack anymore. I don't even know what he actually looks like yet. And I'm just like looking where the hole is. That's through his lungs. I have another arrow knock and I'm getting ready to draw to put another hole right where I just put that hole. And I'm like, no, watch it. He's going down. Don't fucking shoot him again. He's fine. And they crashed right in front of me. It was it was just insane. It was the, it was just like what you want to happen, you know. It was everything. Well, it, how often do you get to write the like? How often do you go? I'm gonna go here. This event's gonna happen. This deer's gonna walk out because of said event, and I'm gonna kill him. Like that must have been like a not not like a beating on your chest moment, but that had to have like factored into that to some extent, didn't it? It felt really good. Yeah. <laughs> it felt really good, man. I talked to Steve. Um, I call Steve the co-host on, on Working Class Bowhunter. Um, barely a co-host. Um, <laughs> I called him on the way down, and I'm like, just talk to him. One, make sure I'm like, hey, are you up? You fucking lazy ass. Like, you're going to go hunting, too, if I'm going, because that's what I do to him all the time. So yeah. he probably hates me for it. Um, I'm sorry if you have to edit out my F-bombs. No, but um, he, he's like <laughs> – I have a good feeling. It's like, you're going to shoot a buck this morning. I'm like, I don't know. I feel good about it too, but I don't ever call it like that. Cause you jinx yourself when that happens. So, and I just got lucky dude. And it worked out. So it worked out. So let's, let's take it back to where I tried to take it earlier. And that is you shot this deer 
were you because he's not near as big bodied rack to rack he's also a little smaller too right yeah yeah he's not as big all around he's just a different caliber of deer right so was so was there any like i know there wasn't any regret and that's not the word that i really want to go for here i hear you but was there was there any like oh but he's not the buck that i saw before right like was that feeling there do you know what i'm saying yeah i get what you what you're uh getting at but no no there wasn't man um no, for me, the way it happened and, and the excitement, that that's really where it's at for me, and especially in, in that moment. It was one of those deer that you put this buck in front of, I don't give a fuck what anybody says online. You put this deer in front of them, people, they're going to shoot it. So that for me, that doesn't matter. It, the, what mattered is like how it went down, how jacked I got, how pumped I was once I got him. I mean, he's still, he's a mid-130s eight-pointer. You know, he's got a seven inch brow on the one side. Like he's a stud. He's bright white rack. I got him euroed up on the wall right now. He looks freaking killer right next to the TV. Like I look at that <laughs> buck and, and really, I guess I should add this in too, like, which I didn't mention before. I'm, I'm fucking good at not mentioning things all of a sudden. I don't know what the deal is with me there. Um, my wife's pregnant. So I wanted to, while she was pregnant, I wanted to have a successful season. That way when my daughter is older, if she's into hunting or if she's not into hunting, whatever. I can say, hey, I shot that the year you were up, you know, your mom was, was carrying you around, and I was all excited about having having you and had a good season at the same time. Yeah. So, like, I had that, like, I was like, man, I, I killed a buck while my wife was pregnant, so I can kind of say, like, hey, that was, I can tell that story when she's older. Sorry, that was like, it's hard for me to word. I don't know how to, like, really word that. No, nah, but oh, I, yo, I, think I, get, I think I get what you're saying. What was that, Chase? I was going to say one of I've got two kids myself, one of them's 7, one of them's 5, and I had a like I said one of those hunts that was just unbelievable and you get to take that deer home and show it to your kids. That was like the coolest thing ever to me was like, "Hey, dad went out, made this happen." And then you get to bring it, and then you get to see your your kids hold the deer. They're looking at the horns and all that stuff and they're just in amazement as well. And I I would say that's probably one of the uh, one of my all-time favorite hunting memories is when I got to actually bring deer home and show my kids. So, so I'm sure. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Forward to that as well. well. So, so that was cool. I'm cool. glad you I'm shared that story on here. Yeah, man. I, and, and it was cool because, like, Sam was just starting to show at that point, but not, like, really. Not to where we could take a photo. Um, but on the second buck, I have a photo of, like, the buck in the truck and, like, me and Sam standing there. And she's, like, trying to – she wasn't showing that hard then, but – at least I have that photo of like us and a big buck and, and a pregnant belly photo that I can kind of show our daughter when she's older. Oh yeah, that's you, awesome. You know, it's it's funny. My wife and I are, are relatively newly wed. Like we've only been married for a couple of years. We're in our late twenties, and we have this conversation about having kids, and and we both agree that we're gonna you know wait just a little bit here. But uh, the one thing. The one thing that makes me want to have kids is exactly what you just described. Because for me, hunting was a family thing. Everybody in the family, um, well, not everybody in the family, but like my dad, I, and my little brother, we all hunted. And like get, being able to come home, and I've got two extremely younger siblings. Like he's uh, 16 and she's 14. And when they Damn, were. Damn, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, so, and I was like 20 at that point. So being able to bring home stuff and see the excitement on their face and seeing like my dad be thrilled with bringing home stuff for us to see. I remember looking at that fondly going, okay, 
it would be cool to go ahead and start a family now because that means like one day I'd be one day closer to doing that, you know, but um maybe maybe a couple years before. I, <laughs> I got to have a couple years where I tag out in November before I'm going to do that, I think. Well, I don't know, dude. I have that thing right now with like Sam being pregnant, guys at work and just people in general like talking to them that whether they hunt or don't hunt, most of the people who don't hunt cuz they don't get it. Oh, you better get your hunting in. Good thing you killed your bucks now because yeah. it's all over from here. It's like my wife would be like, fuck off. Like, what do you think I'm going to tell them not to hunt? Like, right. First of all, that's our primary source of protein. Right. So, what, I mean. Isn't that such a douchebag thing to say? Like, It is a douchebag thing to say. And there's so many people that said that when I got married, dude. They said the same thing. Like, oh, when you get married, you're not going to hunt anymore. It's like. Not so I, I don't hunt as much, but yeah, I've got a relationship to feed now too. But like, dude, you know what I say, man? I'm like, hey, it's not my fault. Your wife sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that too, and it's like, no offense, Walt. This isn't a poke at you, but this yeah. is just like facts. This is just what I say. Like, so I, I say all the time, I'm like, I don't watch football. Right. I don't watch sports. Right. I don't fucking build race cars in my garage and drink forty bush lights every night, which is cool if you do it. That's awesome. But I don't do it. All I do is this. Right. So if I have to have October, November, and December to kill deer, right. let me have it. Yeah. I will yeah. be 100% around all the other times, and I'll still be around during hunting season. But if I'm this passionate about it and I'm not messing right. around on you and I'm doing my thing, right. let me do my thing. And, and my wife gets that, so I'm super thankful, man. And she loves deer heads in the house. She'd rather have them spread out all that, rather than all in the living room, which – it's kind of funny. I want them all in the living room because I want all the boys together. She's like, let's scatter them out. I want one in every room. <laughs> so it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. No, I, Elena's kind of similar in that regard. Like, you know, I, and I, you, you make the, you bring up the football thing because, you know, I'm a, a big Georgia Bulldog fan. I watch a lot of football. But as I get older and my life gets busier, I, I'm just like finding myself going like, well, you know, I could watch football on YouTube. Like, I can watch the game later. Like, this isn't a big game. And, I, and I've gotten to where, since my time is more limited, I just hunt more. You know, it's like it's not yeah. that big a deal. I'd rather have an in-person experience than to watch somebody else achieve success sometimes. So, um, Yeah, man. But Nothing against football. I just personally yeah. am not into it. No, I get it. I get it. it it's a, I think it's a like a family cultural thing that you get born into. So. Well, Don't get me wrong, dude. I think the only Super Bowl I ever watched was when the Bull or the Bulls, when the Bears played. I don't know how long ago. That's the last Super Bowl I watched. I don't know. I think I think maybe oh, that we shit was, on uh, football fans enough. I think maybe we should five years ago or so. <laughs> that was two thousand one. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That's probably fact. Rex Grossman. It was six two thousand six. They beat the Saints to go to the playoffs. NFC playoff. That was the last. That was yeah, the last yeah, was football six. game I watched. I know who the quarterback was. That's about it. There you go. There you go. Gators. We're probably wrong. Well, we're probably going to have somebody this, right man. in. I'll tell you this. If we were, like, sharing hunting camp together or something, and you were like, hey, let's watch the game. Like, I'm not like that guy who's like, we're not watching football. I'd be like, all right, hey, give me some backstory here. I'm going to drink 14 Bush Lights, and I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i root for your team with you so right. I get excited about it. Right, right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get why it's cool. I just personally don't watch it. Yeah. I got you. Oh, no yeah. worries. I can respect it. No judgment, man. You're good. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Kurt, because <laughs> yeah. we've been chatting for quite some time now. What's it? Hour and 15 minutes. I want to I wanna end this the way that I end all stories. Um, actually, before I do that, Chase, is there anything you would like to, to say before I go this route? 
Ah, oh, man, no, I just want to uh, thank Kurt for coming on the podcast, man, giving us some uh, stories. So that's about it. Yeah, thank you guys, man. Appreciate it. Glad I got to chat with you. Yeah, man, so awesome. So, Kurt, here's my question for you, man. You could go back to your earliest bow hunting for whitetail self. Give yourself one piece of advice. What one singular piece of advice could you go back and tell young Kurt to change his whole world? Mm, that's a good question. Um, to me now would say I could tell young Kurt whatever the fuck I wanted and if he wouldn't actually learn it until he experienced it <laughs> because it takes that much time. Um, hmm. That's a tough one, dude. I've never even thought about that. Um, calm the fuck down and just focus really. Cause that's what I need to work on all the time. Right on. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Well, dude, thanks for coming on the show. I'd love to have you on again. You're welcome on the podcast any point in time that you tag out in a season. Or better yet, if you just go ahead and get skunked next season, that'll make a, a awesome part two uh, for, for, for dra- uh, dramatic purposes. But uh, It could happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. It, it's not going to happen. But hang on one second. I'm going to wrap this out, but I still want to chat with you after we end this. Guys, yeah. I hope you understand now what I meant when I said this is the worst, best-case scenario you could ever have because Kurt has been twiddling his thumbs and cranking out podcasts. And I imagine once or twice he he has wondered uh, or wished he could get back into the woods and and chase chase whitetails again. So um, if you like the podcast, hit that subscribe button, share with a friend, let's grow the Chasing Tales Nation, and and, uh, we will see you next week on Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. 